So today we continue with our Advent series. And, you know, no matter what church denomination or tradition you are most familiar with, that you feel most comfortable with, we can assuredly know that the virtues of hope, love, joy, and peace are important in the Christmas story as they are important in our daily walk with Christ. And so that's why we are those four specific themes this month. Last week, as a visual reminder, I lit the candle of hope, and I'm going to light that candle again today, but I also light a new candle, the candle of love. It will come as no surprise that Jesus focused on preaching love throughout his ministry. Two of his greatest commands involve love, right? Love your God and love your neighbor. He laid these out in Matthew 22. Love is the greatest of all virtues. And it encompasses Jesus's entire purpose for being here on this earth. Not surprisingly, the Bible itself also has a lot to say about love. And depending on your translation, the word appears 100 to 300 times throughout the scriptures. God is love. 1 John 4. They know we are Christians by our love, based on Jesus' words in John 13. Love led Jesus to lay down his life for our sins. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 alone tallies off a, a number of characteristics of love. It's patient, it's kind. It does not envy, et cetera, et cetera. And as we saw last week, hope is an important part of the Christian story, yes. But love also plays a vital role in the Christmas story. Without love, there would be no Christmas. Love was a foundational element for the first advent, and I believe that it will also be a foundational element of the second advent. So today, I'd like to spend some time talking about love. We're going to talk about Joseph's love for Mary, Mary's love for Jesus, God's love for sinners, and the importance of our love for each other. So let's begin with Joseph's love for Mary, an incredibly important part of the Christmas story, yes, though it isn't always focused on. Now you might say, well, of course Joseph loved Mary. They were engaged to be married. And yes, they were engaged. But that didn't necessarily mean that Joseph loved her. You see, in that day and time, people often got married for other reasons 
besides love. And yes, it might still happen nowadays, but it happened more often back then. Marriages were typically arranged by the spouse's parents. Can you imagine? (laughs) Many times, marriage was viewed more as a social or economic relationship rather than being romantically based. So how do we know then that Joseph loved Mary? We know because of his response when Mary was found to be pregnant during their engagement period, before they were married, before they came together as husband and wife. And as far as Joseph knew, Mary had been unfaithful to him. Maybe she had slept with another man. And I'd imagine that Joseph must have felt completely betrayed by this. And he would have had every right to be angry, to be bitter and upset with her. And so when he found that out, Joseph had a couple options here. He could go ahead and marry her anyways, knowing that the child wasn't his. However, that would have gone against his convictions as a man committed to God and God's ways. No matter how much he loved Mary, he needed to put his relationship with God first. He could have also dragged her before the tribunal so that she could have a trial. And through that trial, based on the law, if she were found guilty, she could have been stoned to death. This would have been a vindictive move. At the very least, Mary would have been publicly disgraced. But what did Joseph do instead? Matthew 1, 18 and 19 tells us, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph chose a third option. And I want to submit to you today that even in, in, in life, in most of the circumstances we find ourselves in today, there's usually a third option. We usually think there's one of two options, but Jesus can offer a third way. Sort of like when Jesus met with the woman who was caught in adultery, remember? The religious leaders drug her out, And their whole purpose was to catch Jesus, right? They wanted to back him into a corner, and they figured, okay, here, there are only two options. Either Jesus supports the law and stones her, and then we can say, where is your love? Where is your grace? Where is this forgiveness you preach? Or if he let her go, they'd say, Jesus, you're soft on sin. You don't care about the law. 
But Jesus showed a third way. And what's beautiful there is it's really just a combination of both, right? He offered her love, mercy, and forgiveness, telling her that she was forgiven. But then he said, go and sin no more. And so Joseph chose the third option. Instead of marrying her in defiance of God's commands concerning adultery, and instead of bringing her before the judges in an act of revenge, he thought about what was best for Mary in this situation. And so he decided to, instead of expose her to public disgrace, he would divorce her quietly. And sure, people would still know, people would still talk. That's unavoidable. You can't stop a gossiper from gossiping. But at least she wouldn't have to go through the public humiliation of a trial. Joseph had several options open to him, but he chose the way of love. He chose the way that would bring the least amount of shame and attention to Mary. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And the way that the NIV puts it is this way, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love always protects. And Joseph, out of love, chose to protect Mary, even when he thought she might have been unfaithful to him. Now, God rectified this, right? Joseph got a message later. He, he knew what was going on, and by faith, he accepted it. And they did get married. But it started with Joseph acting in love from the beginning, even when he didn't have all the answers. So Joseph's love for Mary, that's our first example of love at Christmas, but it's not the last. The, the second one we have Mary's love for Jesus. We read in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This, of course, is the center of the Christmas story, the actual birth of Christ, that first Christmas Eve. Mary gives birth to her son. She tenderly wraps him in swaddling clothes and lays him in a manger. And there's a, there's a natural love between every mother and the child that she bears. The child has been inside her for months. She's given life to this child. For nine months, she has nourished and grown this child within her, with her own body. She's felt every move, every kick, every turn. She's dreamed and imagined what this child will look like. She's gone through the long months of pregnancy, the hard sacrifice of labor, in the excruciating pain of childbirth. 
And now she, she holds this newborn baby in her hands. How could she not love this beautiful new human being that came out of her own body? But Mary's love for Jesus is indicated in other ways as well through the scriptures. For example, after the shepherds visited Joseph and Mary and then went into the town spreading the word about Jesus, we read this in Luke 2, 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word translated kept there is a word that means to preserve, to keep in mind, or even to keep thinking about something so that you won't forget it. It's where we get our word for memorize. And the word translated pondered is a word that means to bring together, to think deeply or reflect on something. And so together these words tell us that Mary didn't want to lose a single moment from that night. She stored them away. There weren't any cameras, there weren't any videos to be taken, but she stored them away in her mind and in her heart. And she kept running these events over and over and over so that she wouldn't forget about them. She thought deeply about these happenings, bringing all the individual memories together and wondering what it could all mean. What a confusing time for this young mother. Mary's love for Jesus was reflected in her very thoughts about him. Her thoughts were captive to Christ. And she made every effort to remember every detail as she sought to understand the meaning of his birth. Her love for Jesus is also revealed by the words Simeon spoke over Jesus and Mary in the temple. Now God had promised Simeon that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. A beautiful promise, and the promise came true. God's spirit moved and led Simeon into that temple on that very day, just as Joseph and Mary were bringing Jesus into the temple to present him to the Lord. And Simeon took Jesus into his arms and prophesied over him. But then he spoke to Mary. We read about this in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, but the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. In effect, Simeon told Mary that there were difficult times ahead for her son Jesus. She didn't know just how difficult in that moment, but Simeon gave her some forewarning when he told her that a sword would pierce her soul too. And true to the words of this prophecy, Mary did suffer as Jesus grew into a child and into a man. You see, Jesus was no ordinary son. 
He belonged first to his heavenly father, and he reminded his parents of this when he was only 12 years old, right? They find him in the temple, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Jesus operated on his own timetable, not hers. And he made it clear again at the wedding in Cana, John 2, 4, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And when it came time for Jesus to die, Mary was there at the foot of the cross. John tells us she was near and she watched her son suffer and die there in shame. John 19, 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So yes, Simeon's words, his prophecy was brutally and honestly true. A sword would pierce Mary's own soul too. Why? Because that son that she loved so much was destined to suffer and die. So that's the second aspect of love as we look at the Christmas story. Mary's love for Jesus. And this brings us to the third aspect of love at Christmas, God's love for sinners. And this is really the heart of the Christmas story. The Christmas story is all about Love. Joseph's love for Mary, Mary's love for Jesus, these are both important parts of the story, but they are not the most important part of the story. The central message of love at Christmas is God's love for sinners. This is evident from the angel's words to Joseph about Mary in Matthew 1. Matthew 1.21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Why was Jesus born into our world at Christmas? It's all in his name. The name Jesus means Savior or salvation. And Jesus was born to save his people from their sins. We read in John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The greatest gift ever given at Christmas was the gift of God's own son. God gave his one and only son that whoever believed would not have to die, not have to taste the second death, but instead could look forward to eternal life. And Jesus did not just merely come into the world, he was sent into the world. God the Father sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it through Jesus. 
If you ever have doubt that God loves you, look at Jesus, his only son. Look at Jesus, the child born into the world as a baby at Christmas. Look at Jesus, the man, teaching the people, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and disease as he traveled. Look at Jesus, the Savior, suffering and dying on the cross to bring you hope of salvation. Look at Jesus, the King, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, and coming back for you so that he can take you to where he is, never to be separated again. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love for you in Christ. As Paul wrote in my favorite chapter in all the Bible, Romans chapter 8, Verses 38 and 39, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Paul's way of saying nothing, nada, zilch. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can pluck you out of his hands. The Christmas story is all about love. But the most important part of the story is God's love for sinners, of which you and I are a part of. God so loved the world, he gave us his son so that we would not perish but have eternal life. Okay, so we've, we've been looking at love. We've looked at Joseph's love for Mary. We've looked at Mary's love for Jesus. We've looked at God's love for sinners. But there's one more aspect of love at Christmas that we don't want to leave out. And that's our love for one another. The Bible makes a clear and unbreakable connection between God's love for us and our love for others. We read in 1 John 4, 11, 10 and 11, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Notice here, God's love comes first. It's the catalyst. God's love in creating a world. God's love in promising a savior. God's love in sending his only son. God's love in allowing that same son to die on the cross for our sins. God's love always comes first. But then, as this verse says, our love should follow. And not as a mere obligation, but as a natural outflow of God's love for us, sinners. And if God loved others so much that he sent his son to die for them, how can we not Love them as well. We cannot walk with Christ 
without love. And we cannot have the Christmas story without love. As Linus states in A Charlie Brown Christmas, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So Christmas is not just a reminder of how much God loves you, but also how much you should love other people. At the first advent, we were reminded of God's love for us. And in preparation for the second advent, we are to take that love and to share it with others so that they may desire to know the God and Savior that gives us the ability to do those things that don't come naturally to us, namely putting others first, helping the needy, caring for the sick, protecting those in danger, comforting the grieving, and loving those who are sometimes hard to love. So as we celebrate the first Advent, and look with hope toward the second advent. I'd like to leave you with a few practical questions. And I don't want you to just answer these with your mind, but hopefully as we answer them with our mind, we will follow through with our bodies. Is there someone you need to help this Christmas? Is there someone you need to reach out to, connect with this Christmas? Is there someone you need to forgive this Christmas? We celebrate the first Advent because it led to God's ultimate show of love for us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Still messed up. Christ died for us. And in preparation for the second advent, how will you show your love to others this Christmas season? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the whole meaning of Christmas can be explained in one little four-letter word, love. You sent your gift of pure love to us that first Christmas. Love descended from heaven to be born of a virgin. Love lay in the scratchy hay of a manger in a meager barn in Bethlehem. All of your love, God, was robed in the delicate skin of a baby and wrapped in cloth. This week of Advent helps us to reflect on the magnitude of love that was made manifest in Jesus. Lord, we believe that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Messiah and ruler of all, yet you came not as a lion but as a lamb. You came as an innocent baby whose purpose was to walk this earth in complete love and then to sacrificially show us that love by giving your life as an atonement for the sins of your children, 
Emmanuel, God with us, love in the form of a man. We believe there is no greater gift than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends, and you willingly gave the gift of your life because of your love for us. Your righteous blood covered our sin. You redeem and restore us when we confess you as Lord and Savior of our life. And in that moment, you give us the gift of your love for all of eternity. We receive grace upon grace, Lord, we need it. Mercy upon mercy, we need it in that very moment. The greatest gift of all came that first Christmas. It wasn't wrapped in a beautiful package. It it, it wasn't set under a decorated tree. The greatest gift came wrapped in the flesh of baby Jesus and laid in the rough wood of a manger. That perfect gift that would later be rewrapped in scars and placed upon the wood of the cross of Calvary, all because of love. Father, in this week of Advent, fill our hearts and minds with the, significant of that, with the significance of that truth. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to send Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Next week, we will pick up with part three of our series and light another Advent candle. But until then, I blow out these physical flames in the belief that the spiritual flame of hope and of love will continue to burn within your hearts this week.